0: Okay, I'm going to come out up front with this. I really don't like this episode. This is usually on my skip list. I'm also going to admit something somewhat embarrassing. When I was younger, like when I was first watching this episode on the TV, uh, at the reruns or whatever, I kept getting confused because the woman in question, Wendy Hughes, is the actress who plays Darren. Uh, She looks a lot like Beverly Crusher. Like, not, it's it's not identical, and obviously looking back, it's like, oh, what was I thinking? But with the advantage of hindsight and realizing the kind of TV I was watching it on, it's, you can kind of probably see why I was mistaking the two. Especially since they were portraying this as some deep love story, which uh, I don't buy for a millisecond. They wanted to cast a woman who was the same age as Picard, which is why they got Wendy Hughes. I decided to look into her a little bit, She's she's dead, which sucks. That is that is absolutely awful. Um, I was actually just looking to see if I'd seen her in anything else, because her voice sounded very familiar, and I saw that, and I was like, oh, she died six years ago, as of the time of this being shown, not the time of this being recorded. So there's your little bit of cheer for the year. Now, the reason that sucks even more, she's th- three years younger than Gates McFadden. She's also 13 years younger than Patrick Stewart. I don't even know how much younger she is than William Shatner, who's like one of the oldest ones we've got left at this point. I hope, you know, I say this now, obviously this video's going to go live in like a year. Well, a lot can happen in a year. <sighs> No more. can we lose no more, please? If you're seeing this in the comment section, we've lost someone since then you can tell me I'm stupid. All right. So we see that his archaeology thing is still going. Actually, before I go any forward, uh, further forward, this episode was an episode that many of the writing staff were kind of uh, about. They didn't really know what to do with it. The idea, the core idea was actually posited a full season earlier. Back in season 5, it was like, okay, how about Picard falls in love, and I'm saying it that way because I'm being deliberately insulting, with someone who's under his command, and oh my god, what does he do? He is commanding someone he loves. Now, that's stupid. In my opinion, because he loves Crusher. And Riker. And Troy and Worf, you get the idea. You can't tell me that man does not love those people. You cannot tell me he is not... That that is not his family. You can't. (laughs) Especially by the end of season 7. All good things. Come on. No, no, no. So, this idea is already flawed. Because it's presuming that he's automatically going to treat someone different. Because he happens to romantically love them. Which is also stupid. Because of the aforementioned Mrs. Crusher. Excuse me, Miss Crusher. Or is it Ms. I I actually never remember which is which. To be honest with you. Beverly. <clears throat> Anyways. The point was, at this point in time, they had reached a point where they were pointing out the points in the points. I'm sorry. They they were running out of scripts. They needed any script. They were like, um, um, because you need... They, they're contractually obligated to push out 26 episodes a season. I've actually pointed out several times... Uh, throughout the course of this rumination series on this show, where they've put out an episode basically because they needed an episode. Anything. Just, just come on. What do you got? Uh, how about that love story we pitched last season? Sure. Go. Now, Renee Chavaria took this one to the script, and he's good with character stuff. And I will admit he manages to make this work better than it should. However, this is the problem. I've said, I, I have a concept called cloud effect. I talk about it all the time. In the off chance you've never heard me talk about it, it's when something has a terrible, stupid, dumb, awful, or otherwise bad premise, but nevertheless makes a good result. It doesn't always work that way, though, because sometimes the premise is incompatible with a good result, if that makes any sense. It's not that the premise is bad, it's that the premise necessitates the fact that no matter what comes has to also be bad. Now that, in my opinion, is what's happening in this episode. This is an addendum to several other problems I have with it. None of which are with the actress, Wendy Hughes. She actually does a pretty decent job with this role. But we have just the, the, the teaser. Even just the teaser is weird. So Picard comes on uh, during, the morning, during the night shift, basically. And so the comms are out because they're doing a test. Okay. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And the internal library is out. Okay, that makes no sense at all. Also, the replicators are out. What? What? Okay, actually the replicator one could make sense because they're, they're measuring very, 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 very minute gravitational changes. So, you know, alterations in mass locally, even at such a small scale, might affect it. But what's that have to do with the library? This is actually stupid. This whole intro is actually pretty stupid, in my opinion. Everything he goes to do is interrupted because it happens to be off because of them. And rather than doing anything else, he decides to go check in on it without, you know, calling in or calming in or, oh, of course the comms are out no no that's only external comms though so he could have done several other things rather than just showing up and opening the door and literally ruining their 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 experiment then they have this weird discussion and then in the middle of their discussion like at an awkward point in the middle of them talking to each other it kind of goes and then it cuts then that's the end of the teaser it's it what <laughs> Okay, I remember being so confused by that when I first saw this. Then Picard is in a really good mood. Now, okay. You know what infatuation feels like? I, I, I call it infatuation. That's probably an inaccurate terminology. You know what it feels like when you've started to get together with someone, and you like them, and they like you? You know that feeling, right? That uh, feeling. No judgment. You know, I, I'm in a bad mood, so I found like, sound like I'm being judgmental, but no judgmental of that moment. That's what they try to portray with Picard. So obviously he's fallen for her. Okay. Um, the problem with this is it is immediately contrasted by him having dinner with Miss Crusher. Now you're probably thinking, Laura, why are you bringing this up? Wendy Hughes is a fine actress. But she's no Gates McFadden. And I know you think I'm just being biased, but no, seriously, watch the episode. Wendy Hughes and Patrick Stewart have no real chemistry together. They don't really play off each other well at all. Most of the scenes they're in that do well are the scenes in which there's no dialogue, where they're just playing music. That works. But the actors don't gel at all. By total contrast, Gates, McFadden, and Patrick Stewart have had chemistry since season one. I keep pointing it out as it keeps showing it up. And in this episode, we see it again, as the two just naturally gel together perfectly as they're talking about things over dinner. So thank you for making my point for me episode. This is a good time, as I need to mention that. The original idea was kind of, they were like, well, this sounds stupid. Why don't you, we just make it Crusher? Why don't we just make this, he has to send her on some dangerous mission, and then we go with that. Now the reason that was torpedoed is he's sent her on dangerous missions many times. She's been on a Borg cube, for God's sakes. So, there's no strength there. All of a sudden there's no dilemma, it's just him getting involved with Crusher. I have to be, I know this sounds so strange coming out of my mouth, but I think I'd be okay with just a character-centric episode. in late, Late in the show which is just about two characters moving together, especially given the stated intent several episodes ago in Aquiel or whatever it was about showing that people are actually together in the future, especially given the fact that this was something they were moving towards for some time that was just then the plug was pulled on and something they'll return to in the future. So... (sighs) Why? (laughs) I know what you're thinking. Oh, it wouldn't be an exciting hour of television. I don't agree. In fact, you could even, just, just to keep restructuring this a little bit. So at the end, there's like this dangerous thing, and it's this astrophysic. Why not make it a medical crisis? You can rewrite that. Boom. It's a medical crisis instead of a thing. And you have to beam crush her down, and there's this horrible disaster, and they're not sure they're going to get out. And then things happen, and then she gets out, and then they have this denouement where they talk to each other. But instead of Picard being an idiot, they actually come to a reconciliation where they decide to go ahead and marry, no, no, not like that. Marry their jobs, relationships, and their personal relationships. In short, what actual mature adults would do under the right circumstances. I'll get to that point later because I want to address that last because it's the thing that pisses me off most about the episode. Whatever, moving on. So <clears throat> So they go to the concert. I keep talking about the Enterprise as if it's the apartment complex in space. That is a positive thing. I'd love to live there. Are you kidding me? I, some of you may or may not be aware of this, but I'm an extremely social person and a massive extrovert. And I'm the kind of person who would love it if my neighborhood did stuff regularly. They don't. <laughs> you know, no, no judgment. Uh, in fact, I, I've basically never lived in a neighborhood that does that. I'm sure they exist. I've just never experienced it personally. But imagine if the neighborhood you lived in who were all people you knew to some extent or another and were friends with most of them, and they got together to do, you know, fencing lessons or art or painting or concerts or whatever, right? I've talked about this idea before, how this thing is basically a necessary component of a deep space ship like the Enterprise, and with the size and the facilities on board, it makes perfect sense. So the concert's just another great example of that. I also want to give special praise to the editing and, and directing teams. They do a very good job of showing that Wendy Hughes is not the one actually playing that piano. Or hiding it, I should say. Hiding that fact. There's a great shot where it cuts from whoever's actually playing the piano, and then the camera goes behind the piano, and then it pulls up to her face, but there's an edit in between there. It's, just, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, I also... I, I, there's a nice little tidbit where Picard's watching, and he's all, you know... Infatuation, love, etc. Troy's behind him, and she's not even in focus. I never noticed this before, but he, she takes a moment to look at him, and she just kind of has this grin, like, eh, okay. Which makes sense. Of course she could tell, right? Anyways. <clears throat> so, he shows her the flute. I like continuity as much as the next person, but the fact that he actually opens up about this to her is nothing short of mind-boggling to me. Now, I get why they do it. They do it in order to, let's say, artificially enforce the idea that this is real. It's like their proof. Hey, look, no, it's, it's the real deal. He's showing her the flute, right? And I do have to admit I like that metaphor. It's not even a metaphor. It's actually a literal presentation, isn't it? That music, his music, is amazingly personal to him. Something that is deeply connected with him and his life and a part of him that he usually doesn't share with people. He always just, you know, he does it alone. He plays with the computer, of course he does. And he's been trying to get better, you know, now that his body is slightly different ever since. That all makes perfect sense to me. So, him sharing it with someone that he cares about deeply, sure, I could buy that. Him sharing it with Miss Darren, don't buy that for a second. He just met her. That's not how that works. However... It is a good scene. It is a good metaphor. I'm with it. Uh, except for the fact that I'm not. They they mentioned the acoustics. This is the best part with the acoustics. She, hasn't she only been on board this ship for like a, a month or something like that? I also found myself wondering how many people are hearing it, which is funny because then it cuts to a scene with... I was writing that note down and then it cuts to a scene with Jordy, who's like, Do you hear something? <sighs> of course, Data didn't hear it. He only has amazingly good hearing. So... This then, of course, leads to the first kiss, and then they're talking casually. And then another crewman shows up, and just the Kong the wall comes down. He's acting completely different. I like that. I know that sounds like a strange statement, but to me, that's exactly what would happen. I mean, hell, most of us do that. I do that. I, I mean, what you see here in front of this camera is basically me, but I do get substantially more personal with people that I very much trust and love and care about, of which there's like four on the entire planet. Now, if I happen to be talking to one of those people and someone else roams into audio range, uh, the tone and presentation of my speech and everything just, just like that. In fact, it's happened before when I'm on the phone and they're like, did someone just walk into the room? And I was like, yeah. Oh, don't. No, we all do that to some extent or another. But, uh, of course, Picard doing that also, as I said, makes perfect sense to me. Which, of course, leads to <sighs> issues. So, so, first, he goes to Troy asking about protocol. She doesn't give him any of the advice she should have, because apparently this week she's decided not to be a counselor. Then he mentions to Miss Darren how he isn't given to casual relationships because apparently the empath lady, or Vosh, or I think there's actually another one, uh, and, and then there's... Look, the point being, it's totally not... A, she, he's not into it, He's not into that. Uh, also, Darren herself qualifies since this whole thing lasts one episode. Oh, yeah. Romance of the week. That's... <clears throat> so he lays out the significance of the music thing. On the one hand, I don't like this scene, but on the other hand, it is nice to hear the character actually confirm and state what we already know outright, just to make it completely codified. So, I'm with it. Okay, sure. Meanwhile, Riker is uncomfortable. Now, first of all, let me just say, it's understandable, but Riker, right, Riker, grow a pair and do your job. Okay? Now, this is basically what Picard tells him, so, all right. But... You can see the discomfort and the problem, the position Riker is being put in here. And it is a valid problem. Whenever you're dating the boss, any interaction you have with any of your other coworkers is going to be changed because you're dating the boss. Even if you're not trying to look for anything, there's going to be a variance of perspective there. It's basically unavoidable. It is one of like 17 reasons why you're advised not to date in the workforce, or amongst your coworkers, right? which is one of the things Councillor Trey had told him. The other thing she probably should have told him is, you know, you're going to be ordering this woman into dangerous situations repeatedly. In fact, he even questions sending her down to this planet. Picard. I gave a whole speech about how you have to be certainty, certainty, have certainty in your command back in Tapestry. Picard questions the correct decision to send her down. Now, he does man up and give the order eventually. It takes him a bit to get there. The order is, hold the line. This is the correct decision, tactically speaking, in this moment. I know they're not fighting an enemy that is, you know, troops. But that is what he does. He makes the correct command call. They need to stay there and hold those deflectors and probably die in order for the colonists to get out. They do it, the colonists get out, and a few of them survive. It was the correct call. Gotta admit, I don't want to be in Darren's position where she got to watch one of her Co-workers uh, incinerated to death right in front of her, but, you know, it was the correct call. He does do that, but it affects him horribly, which credit to Patrick Stewart. When he plays emotionally locked down, you know, just, just gone, he does a very good job of that. But then he finds out she's alive, and this leads to why I don't like this episode. More, all the other problems I've listed are all relatively minor problems. They all add up a bit. But then we find out that she's going to put in for a transfer because he can't stand the idea of her being under his command. You know, in real life, this would be sexual harassment. Just straight up. She Remember, she had to work to get here. This is the Enterprise. This is the flagship of the fleet. This is the prima, primo amazo place that only the best of Starfleet gets to show up at. We are told this, told this time and time again. Many times this has come up in this show. When they first introduced Barkley, that was actually a plot point. That Barkley was sufficiently good, despite his social issues, to be able to be on the Enterprise. And they proved it in that episode. He was good at what he does. Hell, Barkley is, is going to be proven in the future, too, even on Voyager. Right? So she is going to side-rail her career by accepting what is effectively a demotion because of personal issues, because her boss just doesn't feel comfortable with being her boss. Do I even need to explain why this pisses me off so much? They even jokingly mentioned oh, you could resign your commission. Now, Picard wouldn't do that, and nor would I expect it of him. Frankly, I wouldn't expect it of her either if she had shown any kind of ambition with regards to her career. She hasn't, so I have to ask the valid question. Why aren't? isn't she considering resigning her career? She could just become a civilian scientist. Those exist. <laughs> there are Federation scientists who are not part of Starfleet. Now, you could say the same problem might might occur. So, okay, valid. She'd still be on the ship. She'd still be in danger. And, of course, she would be torpedoing her career, which she might care about. I don't know. So, okay, not a valid solution. I'm with it. So they decide to mention the long-distance relationship. Now, this is actually interesting to me. Lots and lots of characters show up in future things. Some of the books... Uh, I reference Star Trek online all the time, right? This woman... Is never seen again, not in any novel, not in any game, and not she's not even referenced in any future episode. She is Thanos, right out of the series. This is probably one of the biggest things that irritates me about this. She has to uh, curtail her career because Picard can't man up and deal with this. In addition to the fact that she never matters again, they even re- the episode ends with a we could do the long distance relationship thing. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't even remember that upon previous viewings because that's pretty logical. We do long, we do long day, de- we do long distance relationships now. Now, granted, our tech level has certainly moved forward substantially, but we do. I have done, to use a past tense example. I imagine several of the people watching right now have also been involved in a long-distance relationship. It's not that uncommon. My own sister has, for God's sakes. You're telling me they don't do that in Star Trek? (sighs) I don't like this episode. It's meaningless, pointless drivel that doesn't mean or do anything and will never be acknowledged again. There's no big character development. There's no big character analysis. It's competently acted. It's competently put forward. Echeverria does manage some good character moments. But ultimately, all I'm staring at is a waste of 44 minutes of my life. My, to, this is the final point I want to make. I made my comment early on how I would do it and make it Crusher instead of Darren, right? I hope I'm saying the name right. I keep remembering there's Hughes. I, I don't think I wrote her name down at all. Anyways. It's not because I, I'm shipping them. It's not because I want them to get together. It's because I want this to matter. I want an episode of television to matter. Now, obviously, my big point for that is continuity. Make it matter for the future. You know, recurring elements, etc. D. Space Nine's managing it. I know, that's years from now, technically. But my point is, if it was Crusher... At least it would be an ongoing thing going forward, a a new element of the show. Like with Data's dreams, you have now unlocked new storytelling potential for characters, and they have developed and moved forward. God's sakes, they actually... I I can't believe I'm saying this. They did this better on Voyager with Tom and B'Elanna. They did this better on Deep Space Nine with Worf and Dax and Odo and Kira. (sighs) I'm sorry. I'm I'm ranting at this point, so I'll go ahead and just chop this off. I hope you've enjoyed my terrible awful thoughts on this bad romance of the week episode. I'll see you next time, guys.